Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, DMV? How's everybody doing today? 106.7, the fan is on your AM FM dial. We're on the Odyssey app and we're on the stream at thefandc.com. However, you're tuned in today. We appreciate you hanging out with us for just a little bit. Getting your college football Saturday started. I'm Danny Noakes. We've got Caitlin in studio producing the show, 800-636-1067. That's the MGM National Harbor listener line. We are with you up until noon. And the MGM National Harbor listener line will be open for your pleasure as you want to join us in any part of the conversation today. We've got a couple of interviews, one at the top of the 10 and the 11 o'clock hour. So those are the only two segments in which the phone lines will be closed. But we've got a lot to get to, full slate of NFL action tomorrow. On top of it, really, this whole week being the sports equinox. There's so much going on, and it really just cements October for me as the best sports month of the sports calendar year. But... We'll get into all that. I'll tell you who the guests are a little bit later on once those come a little bit closer to us. But we open as we normally do with the Commanders because, as usual, at least coming into the last couple of weeks, it's another do-or-die situation for the Commanders. Two and four coming into this matchup with the Green Bay Packers, but obviously they go into battle without starting quarterback Carson Wentz. But there's a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of extra juice in the air this week because uh, you got a familiar face returning under center in Taylor Heineke. And the commanders have actually had some offensive success against the Packers in previous years. Now, obviously, commanders coming off a little bit of an extended break because they played last Thursday against Chicago. So you had a couple of days off before Sunday of last weekend when most of the other teams in the NFL started playing. So hopefully the extra rest there gave the commanders some time, some extra time, which they probably needed to prepare for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who are not as potent offensively as they have been in years past. But I mentioned that the commanders have had some success against the Packers offensively, at least in 2021 and 2019. And I refer particularly to one Terry McLaurin, who we're going to get into a lot with Terry here in the next couple of minutes, because last year, against Green Bay. Terry caught seven passes for 122 yards, including a 40-yard touchdown pass from Taylor Heineke. And then back in 2019, which of course was their final season as the Redskins, Terry caught four passes for 57 yards, including a 13-yard touchdown from the late Dwayne Haskins. So that's some pretty decent production. And, you know, you go back to his rookie year, those are sort of the numbers that Terry is putting up right now, right? And he's been in the league for three years. He's in year four. And I've been saying this all season. Please get Terry McLaurin the ball more. Please. You gave him all this money this offseason. 
and it seems like they target him half as much as they should. He wants the ball. Give it to him. He makes something good happen every time he touches it, too. On the season this year, he's got 22 catches, 367 yards, but just one touchdown, and he scored that all the way back in week one. It's time for that drought to end. It's inexcusable how little they get him the ball. I, I really don't understand the offensive game plan and them not trying to get him the ball more. I mean, the Rams, obviously the defending Super Bowl champions right now, and you know they have some guys in place, obviously, that the commanders don't, but they're struggling a little bit offensively, too. Still, you never see Cooper Cup's targets drop, right? And Cooper Cup is one of the more elite wide receivers in the game right now. Certainly not going to call him the best wide receiver in the game. If anybody who's having the best season, it's probably Stephon Diggs. Maryland zone, right? Good counsel and a turp. I've got him on my fantasy team. He's an absolute beast. I, I love Stephon Diggs. But you have to wonder, Terry McLaurin, I think, is one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. Well, he's not getting top 10 targets. So that needs to change. The Commanders scored 55 points in their first two games this season, but they've only managed to score 47 points in the next four games. That's unfathomably bad. That's just under 12 points a game in that span, which it's funny because it's right around what they scored in the win over the Bears, but at least that was a win. But with the offensive struggles, you'd think that they'd at least try to air it out a little bit more, especially with Carson Wentz, who's got a pretty big arm. Certainly has the ability to stretch the ball downfield a little bit better than Taylor Heineke does, and Taylor Heineke did last season. And going downfield, who better to target than Terry? Terry's great in those types of situations. He's very good at catching contested footballs. But it just hasn't really happened yet. The offensive line has struggled. I will say it's improved over the last couple of weeks somewhat, but it's still not great. So this this idea, too, is also that Taylor Heineke coming in to replace the injured Carson Wentz, and it looks like Wentz might be out anywhere from four to six weeks. That timetable is interesting. We can get more into that as well, because as we talked about the last time I was on the air, I want to say about 11 days ago, I think it was on Tuesday of not this past week, but the week before. One of the things I was talking about in regards to Wentz was, you know, this, this, it, he obviously hadn't suffered the injury yet, but you know, he's, he's been getting all this criticism about holding on to the football too long, but obviously the offensive line hasn't been giving him the time that he needs but he's also made some mistakes and also, obviously, has not been entirely accurate on a lot of those throws. So you could make the case that everybody on the offense deserves some of the blame, and that would definitely be true. Offensive coordinator, quarterback, right? And, and now that they've got Brian Robinson back, some things have changed. But Wentz did not have the same mobility that Heineke gives you. So that mobility could at least help you in a situation like the commanders are in, where their pass protection is not ideal. Last year, Heineke, 313 yards on the ground for the season. He had 95 of those yards, though, in the game at Green Bay, which was a loss, 24-10. to Again, Wentz got the stronger arm. He's got size, but he hasn't really been able to extend plays. He's already been sacked 23 times, and he's only played in, what, six games? Heineke was sacked 38 times in all of 2021, and he started 15 games. 
So there's more good news to this too, right? Green Bay has been underwhelming offensively. Commanders are averaging 17 points per game. We've been critical of them here, but the Packers, not really much better. Averaging 17.8 points per game with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. So they're very clearly a much different team without Devontae Adams, Marquez, Valdez-Scantling. They're not quite the same team. Aaron Rodgers isn't an MVP candidate anymore. And although I, I think as the season goes on, Rodgers probably will improve and get into a rhythm, get some of his younger guys to the point where they're making a few more plays. They got a little bit more confidence, but he's very unlikely to make a charge towards the MVP like he's he's done in recent years, especially when you've got Josh Allen balling out, playing the way that he is up there in Buffalo. It's really hard to imagine anybody else but Josh Allen winning the MVP right now. And, you know, knocking on wood, but praying for the health of Josh Allen right there. Don't want to see anybody go down, but that seems like it would be the only thing that could stop Allen from winning an MVP this year. Or, you know, if Buffalo just tanks, which I also don't expect because they're just playing such good football right now. The last thing that I'll say, too, before we get to our first break here in, re in regards to the Commanders in this game against Green Bay this weekend, which you've got alumni weekend. I think they're calling it homecoming weekend, <laughs> sort of like college football. But so you're going to have several, not all, former Redskins, Washington football team commanders, however you want to describe them. Several former players will be in the building. Some will not. I heard Chris Cooley's not going to go, but guys like Art Monk, Gary Clark, they'll be there. And, and there was a really funny video yesterday of Art Monk saying that he wasn't going to go unless those guys went. I think it was Gary Clark and Ricky Sanders were, were a part of that trio. So <laughs> it's... You you don't blame you don't blame them for at least the guys that that, that don't want to go, but the commanders are also going to obviously have to tune out everything that's going on off the field, and that's something that just comes with the territory of playing for this franchise, right? It's just something that they whoever is on the field, it doesn't matter who playing quarterback, doesn't matter who the head coach is, as long as Dan Snyder's been the owner, there's always been something to worry about off the field, whether it's a coach that's getting ready to lose his job or now. Over the last couple of years, a cascade or avalanche of scandals that's been uncovered by several different legal proceedings and other legal proceedings that have followed that. It's just a lot. And that hasn't changed, especially with this week there being the NFL owners meetings. You had Colts owner Jim Ursay saying that there is indeed some merit to removing Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders. We're going to get into all of that a little bit later on in the show. But it's a lot. It's a lot for any team to weather in any type of storm, in any type of city. But this is just another day at the office for the Washington Commanders and your head coach, Ron Rivera. Who, by the way, his seat is getting hotter every single week. Especially with the, the way that they're playing right now. Right? There's, there's no upward trajectory. You know, you're in year three and... and I hate to harp on this because it seems like every time I come on the air, this is this is what we do when the conversation shifts to Ron Rivera. But you started out winning a division in 2020, okay, seven and nine, shouldn't have won the division, whatever. Still won seven games, won seven games again in in year two, seven and ten, with the additional game being tacked on at the end there, week 18. But now this year, you're not on pace to even get back to that point, and 
you're not going to be able to use injuries as the excuse for this year. Nobody cares about losing Carson Wentz, right? The fan base knows that Taylor Heineke gives you as much an upside with his mobility as Carson Wentz was giving you with his arm strength. I mean, they're they're in no better spot this year than they were last year. And, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not trying to criticize Carson Wentz right now, even though it might sound like that because Carson Wentz's statistics from a couple of different perspectives are improved off of the quarterback play from last year, that being mostly Taylor Heineke. But I, I think Fitzpatrick got in there uh, for a couple of passes before he went out there in, in week one. But it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot for any team to overcome. So another big game for Washington on Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff from FedEx Field. Burgundy and Gold Game Day will come your way. Linnell Willingham, who will join us later today, will be the co-host of that program. He also obviously co-hosts the Burgundy and Gold today over on our sister station, the Team 980. So be sure to tune in for all that. Lots of NFL action coming your way tomorrow. College football today and last night, it was the Washington Wizards in action did they get out to a 2-0 start? Were you there? We're going to talk about that next. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 106. From the Commanders Week 7 game against the Green Bay Packers, which is a 1 o'clock kickoff tomorrow, Sunday, over to the Washington Wizards, who had their second game, their home opener, last night at Capital One Arena. The Wizards hosting the Chicago Bulls. We're glad you're with us this morning on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Danny Noakes. Caitlin producing the show. Wiz and the Bulls at Cap 1 Arena last night. Two 1-0 teams going head-to-head. The Bulls, obviously, a playoff team just a year ago. Bounced in the first round to the Milwaukee Bucks. And man, what's old is new again for the Wizards and the Washington Capitals this year. Two Ted Leonsis own teams. More on Ted Leonsis later in the show. Yes, obviously his name. Lots of rumors swirling around the Washington Nationals and his potential purchase of that team adding to his impressive D.C. sports ownership portfolio. But again, more on that later. The Caps and the Wizards, both teams this year reverting back to their late 90s, early 2000s. Blue, and I wanted to say gold, but the more accurate color to describe these uniforms that they've been wearing are bronze, not gold. Blue and bronze, both the Wizards and the Capitals, going back to some of their classic uniforms. And the Capitals actually using the black version of the blue and bronze uniforms. Uh, we'll get to that as, as well a little bit later on. We're going to do a little bit of Washington Capitals at the end of this first hour. Slot that in for about 9.45. Caps actually have uh, lost a couple of games here that have gotten away from them. We'll, we'll get to that here in just a second. But the Wizards have added the dimension on top of them rocking these classic blue and bronze jerseys, which they're the home version, so it's obviously the white. But the Wizards are also playing on a special version of their home court that also features the old blue and bronze logo. So I'm curious if anybody out there, did you go to the game last night? Did you have fun? Because I'm looking, and the attendance for last night's game was 20,476. That's, oh, my math is not very good, but that's 124 seats shy of being at capacity. That would have been a sellout. 99% at capacity was Capital One Arena last night. And they saw the Wizards get a 102-100 win over the Chicago Bulls. And it was funny because had this game pegged, Locked, 
circled because I wanted to watch it, make sure that we could talk about it this morning on the show to recap it a little bit. But <laughs> I tuned in and I was wondering if I was watching one of those playoff series from 2005 or 2006 when the Wizards and the Bulls used to go head-to-head seemingly every year in the first round of the NBA playoffs and obviously the years of Gilbert Arenas, Anton Jamison, Karan Butler. What was the big three to us, right? Might not have been a big three to the rest of the league, but it was it was our big three. So there was there was a lot of nostalgia flowing through me for last night's game, you know? And at the same time, it was so odd to see Bradley Beal in that uniform, you know? John Wall actually did get to wear those uniforms for one season, I believe. I think it was just one season, his rookie year, that Wall was in the blue and bronze. But that was obviously a year or two before Bradley Beal would get there and before they changed their uniforms. So uh, last night, though, the game, very competitive. And although the Wizards got a win, definitely have to mention a couple of things here, including the fact that they blew a 17-point third-quarter lead. And again, this was the home opener. But the game ended up being tied at 100. Shot clock running down towards the end of the game, and Bradley Beal hit a leaning bank shot with 7.4 seconds to go, put the Wiz up 102 to 100, obviously, that being the final score. And this was the first home game since Beal signed that five-year deal worth up to $251 million, Ooh, quarter of a billy, that kept him here in D.C. And I know that's a controversial contract, at least to some of you out there. And we'll talk about contracts and Leonsis's sort of mentality when it comes to them a little bit later on when we when we do our segment on Leonsis potentially becoming the new owner of the Nationals. We're saying potential. There's some rumors swirling. Maybe they're picking up a little bit more steam. But the Wizards at least did come away with the win last night. We'll say, though, following a timeout after Beal hit that shot, DeMar DeRozan got a three-point look that rimmed out for Chicago. And that's a shot, I think, that at the end of the game, Chicago is plenty happy with because DeMar DeRozan is one of the better shooters in the league, one of the one of the more reliable scorers in the league, as a matter of fact, because <laughs> obviously don't really think that we need to go much through his resume. Although, obviously in Toronto, the year after he leaves, part of that trade for Kawhi Leonard, Toronto finally got a championship, and he has still yet to get one. But DeRozan pretty efficient last night as usual, 11-23 from the field, 10-11 of 11 from the free throw line. Actually did not hit a three-point shot last night, but he did score 32 points to go along with six rebounds and six assists. So DeRozan, per usual, doing his normal thing for the Bulls. But flipping it over, looking at the good guys, the Wizards, Kuzma led Washington in scoring with 26 points. Six rebounds, two assists. Kuzma, 8-16 from the field, 4-8 of eight from downtown. Dead down the middle, 50% for both of those in terms of his shooting percentage. Also 6-7 from the free throw line. Now, what's weird, as you look at this box score, very, very weird as a matter of fact, only two Wizards got to the free throw line at all last night. Kuzma was 6-7, of seven, and Rui Hachimura was 4-4. Four for four. So they only attempted 11 free throws. Now, they were 10 of 11. That's, again, efficient. 90, about 91% from the free throw line. But 11 free throw attempts? Chicago got to the line 33 times. 27 of 33. That's just about 82%. Percentage doesn't sound like much compared to what the Wizards got, but they attempted three times as many free throws. I would say that that's definitely 
a place where the Wizards need to improve. You know, Beal isn't exactly a, a slasher, get down the lane, take it to the hole, get to the free throw line sort of score. He's obviously not that, but, you know, you'd expect guys like Beal to at least get there a couple of times. Maybe Porzingis, no free throws from him either. Kristaps Porzingis, the center for Washington, 14 points, 6 of 13 from the field. Not bad, not bad. So there's some good things to build off of, I think, of in, in this win for the Wizards. And I know Wes Unsell Jr., Wiz head coach last night, talking about how this game started to get away from them a little bit and certainly did. But they were able to hold on, a little better able to weather the storm than, than in years past, at least for this game. So we'll see how it goes for the Wizards going forward. Can't put too much stock into this, obviously, just the second game of the season. And the Wiz don't play again till tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip-off. You can see them play at Cleveland. They've got the Cavaliers for their third game of the season. So 2-3 or three on the road to start the year for the Wiz. They also opened the year on the road at the Indiana Pacers with a 114-107 win as well. So 2-0. and for DC Hoops, the Wizards moving up, and they get Cleveland yesterday or tomorrow night, rather, at 7 o'clock, as we said. All right, we'll go back to the NFL with our next segment, Thursday night football. Much better game, much more scoring, at least. <laughs> the, the two teams that needed a win on Thursday night, Cardinals and Saints, one of them had to come away with it, and one of them did. Lots of mistakes from one of the teams. We'll get into that and the trade that went down right in the middle of Thursday Night Football. A bombshell with Christian McCaffrey going to the Bay. San Francisco, he's going to be a 49er. We're breaking it down next, so stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. College game day this morning is out in Eugene, Oregon. So that means they are on West Coast time, with it being 9.31 here on the East Coast. That would make it 6.31 over there in Eugene, Oregon. I'm looking at a video that is from at least an hour ago, which would make this 5.30 in the morning, and it is pouring down rain in Oregon right now out in Eugene. But look at that scene. If anybody's watching College Game Day right now, or if you're on the road, if you're driving around, getting some errands done, maybe taking the kids to a game this morning or something, whatever you're doing, there is an absolutely raucous crowd out there in Eugene, and it just brings back memories of the one time I got to be on campus at Virginia Tech for a College Game Day visit, and that was two years after I had already graduated. I was covering the team at that point, but College Game Day coming to campus is always an awesome awesome experience and I, I know there are some JMU fans out there that know that experience JMU got the visit from college game day a couple of years ago and JMU right now hey this is coming from a hokey by far best team in the Commonwealth of Virginia right now JMU the Dukes credit to them and their start in their first season up here in FBS football I mentioned though Thursday night football we're back to the NFL here in this segment feel free to hit us up if you want to jump in on the conversation at any point here during this segment or coming up in later segments, 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener lines. But it's about 36 hours old now. So the Thursday night football game this week, a big improvement over the previous two weeks. Two weeks ago, we saw the Broncos and the Colts in a 12-9 game that 
very clearly didn't even feature a touchdown. And then last week we saw the debacle between the Commanders and the Bears. That team, or each team rather, did score a touchdown in that game, but the final 12-7 to for a total of 19 points, somehow even lower than the Broncos-Colts game that didn't even feature a touchdown. So we've been starved for some offensive football in the Thursday night time slot now for a few weeks. And this week, the Saints and the Cardinals, Saints starting backup, Andy Dalton as Jameis Winston battles his back injury. He's said to have, I think, multiple discs in his back that are that are troubling him. Just hearing any sort of disc troubles for anybody in the back makes me cringe. It sounds very painful. Uh, Jameis actually, though, was suited up and on the sideline, ready to go if needed. He's just still not at 100%, and before they even pulled him out early in, in this season, he was playing through that back injury that he is now sitting out for. So uh, you can imagine the, the the pain threshold that he's got for him right now. But the Cardinals scored 25 points in the second quarter, thanks in large part to two pick sixes that they had near the end of the half on back-to-back Andy Dalton throws. As I'm watching these two plays unfold, too, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, the Saints probably should have been able to run one of these guys down because you had Marcus Wilson take a 38-yard interception to the house before Isaiah Simmons did it on the very next pass by Andy Dalton, a 56-yard interception that he would take to the house. Just figured that they would have caught him on one of those. But, hey, credit to the Saints, who didn't quit. 17 points in the fourth quarter from New Orleans, thanks to a couple of late scores. Had to settle for a field goal on one of those final drives, but it was a two-possession game in the last couple of minutes anyway, so the Cardinals had really solidified the win. It was more just about making this respectable, and it was Arizona that did walk out of this game with a 42-34 to win. Cardinals scored more points than each of the last two Thursday night football games combined, right? 40 points total between the last two Thursday night football games combined before we got to New Orleans and Arizona. But the Saints weren't far off from that either, obviously, with 34 points of their own. Now, a lot of folks wondering about the dust-up on the sideline in the first half between head coach Cliff Kingsbury and quarterback Kyler Murray for Arizona. Murray was seen saying, calm the F down, and... Both guys sort of downplayed it afterward. If you're watching the game, if you watch this unfold in real time, it did look like what you would classify as a prototypical head coach quarterback back back and forth that was a little bit more heated on the sideline. It's not like we haven't seen something like that from Tom Brady or other quarterbacks across the league as well. Peyton Manning obviously retired now, but but he had done it as well in his career at points. So it's it's not not uncommon to see this sort of thing. But what's interesting for this particular situation is that Kyler Murray spent this offseason trying to get a new contract, and he did so through his agent releasing a very bizarre letter imploring the Cardinals to better commit to Kyler Murray and surround him with players that can win a championship and just more so devote their mentality to protecting Kyler Murray and winning a championship. It was a very me, me, me letter. Very bizarre. Haven't really seen anything like that from a player recently. But I I have said this many times shortly after that letter came out earlier this year. I thought it was hilarious because the Cardinals went out and got 
Kyler Murray a Hall of Fame wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They have a Hall of Fame defensive end in J.J. Watt. They've got Buda Baker. And even if J.J. Watt is towards the end of his career, I don't think that you can make the case that the Cardinals aren't trying to make the team around Kyler Murray better just by putting different pieces in place. They went out and got Marquise Brown, and now they've traded for Robbie Anderson because Marquise Brown got hurt. There's never really been any debate about the commitment that the Cardinals are making to trying to win with Kyler Murray. And that's why when that letter came out, it was so weird. So when you put that in context with this dust-up between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, on Thursday night, there might be a little bit more smoke there than, I don't know, would be for just any other quarterback that's, you know... It's not that it, Kyler Murray's on the hot seat or anything, but Cliff Kingsbury would be the first to go in this situation, right? They're, they're not going to get rid of Kyler Murray. They just gave him a big contract. But you have to wonder exactly what that means. I, that particular incident itself doesn't make or break anything. But again, it feels like a microcosm of larger issues because Kyler Murray might be a little bit of a head case. You've got the letter... By the way, he did not play well at the end of last season. He has not played well to start this season. There's obviously a lot of rumors about how he spends his free time. The Cardinals felt it necessary to put a, I guess, a, a caveat in his contract that would force him to study his playbook for a certain amount of time every week. Seems very childish, dare I say, right? That's giving him homework. He's a grown grown man, and, and you're giving him homework as, as someone that's a, a multi-million dollar quarterback in the NFL. So I don't know. I, just, I, I think there's a little bit more smoke there with Arizona, and, and it's, you know, I f- the way that they were getting the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, and, you know, they're, they're obviously trying to get over the, the Marquise Brown injury. Robbie Anderson hasn't really integrated himself into the offense yet. He just got traded there this week. I don't know. I, You know, Kingsbury, I, I think, is actually a, a surprisingly a decent head coach. And, you know, Kyler Murray has kind of shrunk in a lot of these big moments. And I'm not talking about the Thursday night game. Played well, got the win, whatever. But when it came down to crunch time at the end of last season, he did not play well. And so that's something that's got to change, especially if you're going to be demanding certain things about the players around you and and the championship mentality that your team is taking. So at one point in the Thursday night football game, we're all caught by surprise, at least to a certain degree, at least the timing of it. It was a surprise. Christian McCaffrey Traded from the Panthers to the Niners for a bunch of picks. A couple this year, a couple next year. It really just kind of flew in there. And if you if you weren't aware that Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight's, was coming out at midnight, and you weren't aware that she was going to be doing a preview of that, a, a teaser trailer, if you will, of that album and some of the music videos included with that album during the Thursday night football game, that that also caught you off guard, along with the Christian McCaffrey trade, but there's a lot of questions that come with this McCaffrey deal. Seems like the Niners get a lot better. But they had Jeff Wilson Jr. They had Elijah Mitchell, who were both running the ball pretty effectively this season. And now you add Christian McCaffrey into the fold with Debo Samuel, who will also get carries out of the backfield. 
So they've really got four guys now that they can hand the ball off to, which is probably too much. Now, how will they use Christian McCaffrey? How much will they use Christian McCaffrey? Will he even play this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs? That's a big game for the Niners, right? It's a rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years ago. Kansas City and San Francisco, obviously the Chiefs coming away with the win, that being Patrick Mahomes' first Super Bowl. But how much do the Niners still use Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell? Will they trade one of those guys before the deadline? Wouldn't think so. But it's speaking of trades and Jeff Wilson Jr., I actually tried to get him in my fantasy league as, a, as an RB2, and I couldn't get it done because the price was too high. So how much will they still use a, a guy who's, who's having a pretty good season? It's a, it's a legitimate question. But there's no doubt that Christian McCaffrey, when he's been in the game this year, he's been fantastic. And, and he's been one of the more efficient guys in the league. He's eclipsed 100 yards several times in all-purpose yards this season. He's, he's having a great fantasy year. He, he really seems like he's returning to form, similar to the way that Saquon Barkley has, has sort of returned to form over there for the New York Giants, who, who are also out to a good start as a team. And I think that's the big difference between the, the Panthers and the Giants is the Giants are actually good this year. The Panthers are not. Panthers had to already fire their head coach, and they just sold off the best player that they've had on in their franchise, I, I guess since Cam Newton. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey has, has obviously had a profound impact on the Panthers. So him getting integrated into the Niners offense, how does it happen? It's something that will definitely have a lot of fun figuring out this weekend in that game against the Chiefs. Head coach Kyle Shanahan for the Niners said that, it's still up in the air whether or not that Christian McCaffrey even plays on Sunday. I think that that's probably a little bit of smoke and mirrors. He doesn't want to necessarily allow Kansas City to more prepare for the San Francisco 49ers. So it, it's just kind of a wait and see scenario here. And it, 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 it it's... It's up. It's just very up in the air. I think. Who knows what could it could be the it could be one of the best trades that a team has made in recent time, right? Because Kyle Shanahan's really good at drawing up plays for these type of players, and you could just picture a scenario where, I mean, shoot, you could put Debo Samuel in the backfield and Christian McCaffrey in the slot, and then, you know, defenses kind of have to pick how they're gonna scheme and stop one of those guys. That's not going to be easy to do with two players as dynamic as McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. So it's, it's interesting, man. It's this NFL season has given us a lot of, of interesting storylines and, and now a, a big trade, a blockbuster trade that really makes things interesting this, this weekend and for the rest of the season. So that'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait. You've got the Niners and the chiefs tomorrow I already mentioned commanders and Packers. 1 o'clock kickoff, Burgundy and Gold game day over on our sister station, the Team 980, with Linnell Willingham is slated for tomorrow as well. We're going to step aside. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the first hour of the show. And then to kick off the 10 o'clock hour, we'll talk to R.J. Anderson of CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage, get some insight on both championship series happening right now in both the American League and the National League. So stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Danny Noakes with you this morning on 106.7 The Fan, getting ready to wrap up the first hour of the show. We're with you until noon. Lots more to get to. Coming up at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, we'll talk to RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's 
Major League Baseball coverage, a lot going on. We got college football as well. We're going to get into all of that, but we've got some time here, about five or so minutes, a little bit longer than that here in this segment to wrap things up. We're going to get into the Washington Capitals, look at the start to their season here just a little bit. But before we do that, 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. Let's go to them now. We've got Shane, who's calling in from Knoxville. Shane, thanks so much for calling in this morning. How's everything going? Hey, Shane, you there, partner? Yeah, go ahead. What you got for me? I, uh, I'm sorry, man. Give me one second. Okay. All right. No problem. See, I'd mentioned that folks out there running some errands this morning, maybe taking the kids to a game. It sounds like that might be exactly what Shane is up to this morning as well. Uh, so... Knoxville, by the way, is a, is is quite a ways from Washington D.C., so I can't uh, imagine what exactly he would be calling in for. And Shane uh, just dropped off, so was interested to hear what he had to say because I was wondering if it might be in the form of uh, Tennessee Volunteers, right? Over in Knoxville right now, Tennessee, the number three team in the country, coming off a massive upset win over Alabama. Massive in scale, not that it was a huge upset because Tennessee very good this year. A lot of people were picking Tennessee to win that game against Alabama. It was in Knoxville too, and I know seeing a lot of those videos yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, but last week. Uh, man, they they know they know how to party there, and they sure did celebrate that big win over Alabama as they deserved to do. But college football, later on in the show. Right now, I said I wanted to get into a little bit of Washington Capitals recap. The Caps lost 5-2 to two in Ottawa on Thursday night. They jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. It was TJ Oshie on the power play, assisted by Marcus Johansson and John Carlson, before Anthony Mantha also put one away just a few seconds later. Orlov assisted, and then Shiri as well. But once they got out to that 2 nothing lead, things really went south there in Ottawa because the Senators scored five straight goals, including two empty netters. So this was a very close game, 3-2, to two, for much of uh, the second period. Not, not really the second period because that third goal didn't come until the third, but uh, it was a close game, and the Caps unable to hold on to that lead Got beaten pretty good in the faceoff circle, 34 to 19 in that game against Ottawa. So uh, it's it's a frustrating outing for the Caps, but obviously very early on in the season. Caps now two and three on the year right now, and fifth in the Metropolitan Division. They're not going to play again for another few days. We'll get to more on that in a minute because I think Shane has called back in on the MGM. National Harbor listener line calling in from Knoxville. So let's go on back over to the phones right now. Shane, you there, buddy? Yeah, I am. Sorry about that. Drop the call. Hey, uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, college football today, man. Today, Hennon, you, here's the thing. Hennon Hooker right now is a surprise of college football right now. Look what Josh Hype has done at the University of Tennessee <laughs> right now. He's going to be the hot. Hey, every program in the country is going to be coming out to him this next year. That's a fact. Bulls, here's what it comes down to. That's what the commanders need right now. We need an offensive guru that knows quarterbacks to come in here and get all this old-school, defensive-minded, dinosaur coaching staff that we have. And, hey, look, I can see I see Hooker here in the commander's uniform. I really can. Yeah. So, uh, go balls. 
And look, hey, look what they're doing right now. Tennessee's talking the world right now. And we're going to keep doing it. All and, right. Uh, it's a great sport, too. Look at Michigan. It's always good when Michigan and Tennessee and all those are in the top five. It's like 90s all over again. <laughs> it is. Hey, Shane, you know that I, you know that I'm a Hokie? I'm sorry to hear about that. <laughs> exactly there. Yeah, we're we're suffering over here now watching Hendon Hooker play for Tennessee. But I, really happy for him. We're rooting for him too. So hey, go and win a national championship. Let Hendon Hooker go and win a Heisman. Let bring bring hey, him to DC. <laughs> right now he beat Bryce Young head to head, and you look yep. what he's done so far. And that's the story. When he came from Virginia Tech, he didn't know if he was going to make this roster because Joe Milton was a higher ranked quarterback. Now look at the way he has done. It's he's just been to incredible. Show you, coaching does matter. Coaching yep. does matter. Yep, yep. Shane, thank you so much for the call, man. Appreciate it. Th- thanks for calling in. I knew it. I, I knew a call coming in from Knoxville had to be about the Vols. Deservedly so. Number three team in the country. Any Vols fans out there, they kick off at noon today on the SEC Network. They're hosting UT Martin. So that should be uh, a, a win for them coming off of a, 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 the, the conference win, SEC win over Alabama last week. I'm I'm right there with with Shane on a lot of that, you know. Obviously, not a Vols fan. I went to Virginia Tech, and watching Hendon Hooker leave and and go to play at Tennessee has has been really difficult. But we're rooting for him. Trust me. Any Hokie out there that I've talked to is is rooting hard for Hendon Hooker. We want to see him do well. And and watching them knock off Alabama last weekend in very dramatic fashion, very very cool. It's something that a lot of us are going to remember outside of the Tennessee fan base for a really long time. Just another classic that Alabama was a part of. That's college football at its finest, really. So as, as we get ready to step out of here and finish up the first hour today, just back to the Capitals real quick, because they start off two and three. They're you know near the bottom of the division right now, but again, very early. Certainly way too early to be talking about division standings or anything like that right now because they were coming off of two consecutive wins before that loss to Ottawa 5-2 to on Thursday night. Next game for the Caps is tonight, actually, as a matter of fact. It's the LA Kings that the Capitals will be hosting over there at Capital One Arena. So my mistake, not in a couple of days. They're, they're back in action tonight after having Friday night off. Let's get out of here, though. We'll step aside, take a quick break, make sure that we've got plenty of time for our next guest. That would be RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. He'll be joining us to break down the playoffs, the championship series. So stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.